Well, good evening once again. Let's uh, grab our Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. It is our uh, joy and delight tonight to open the Word of God again to the book of Ephesians here on Sunday evenings. Um, And uh, we're going to be looking at verses 6 through 16 tonight. Um, but uh, we're going to read uh, the entire chapter, well, verses, I'm sorry, beginning of the chapter through verse 16 as we read tonight. The encouragements in our passage this evening seem fairly obvious to us. They would seem like we should know these truths without much prompting. Yet our Lord knows us and He knows our struggles. He knows, as James 1 tells us, that we are tempted And then, um, as we are tempted, we give in, lust or desire takes over, and sin is conceived. And as James finishes out that sentence, death comes. That seems obvious as well, doesn't it? Yet, we still fall. Such is the life of a believer. But we are able in Christ and by the Spirit to overcome such things as we see in our text tonight. But yeah, let's read together verses 1 through 16. I'll read aloud as you follow along. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, or who is uh, covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partakers with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. But when anything is is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Would you pray with me? Lord, once again, as we open your word this evening, we are reminded that for those of us who are in Christ, your Holy Spirit dwells within us and is able to open our eyes. Lord, give light as we even see this um, talking about light tonight. Give light to our eyes and to our heart to understand these truths and to apply them. And we pray for that this evening. We pray that we would indeed understand and apply these truths. Lord, convict us. Help us to remember that if we are in Christ, we can confess our sin 
and that you are faithful and just and you forgive us of our sin. And Lord, help us to walk in light. And I pray for those who may be in our midst who have never trusted in Christ alone, that they would come to understand the true light who is the Lord Jesus Christ even tonight as we study together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How do we define light? We could simply look to the dictionary to get the basic definition. The American Oxford Dictionary defines it as the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. Interestingly, the same dictionary defines darkness as the partial or total absence of what? Light. So we have a definition of light that says it makes things visible. It brings uh, sight. But darkness is the absence of light. I wonder what I would find if I searched the internet for specifically this. Quote, the definition of light, National Geographic. I was not surprised to find an article on National Geographic about light called The Power of Light by a fairly well-known journalist named Joel Achenbach. I was surprised to find, though, that the article begins with these words. Quote, there has been light from the beginning. This is more true than the author may know or even wishes to admit. First, we know before anything existed that the triune God eternally existed and uh, that God first created light. Quite literally, God speaks through his word, these words. Uh, in, in the Hebrew, it's quite literally, light be. And where there was no light previously, because light wasn't even a thing, now there is light. Light did not exist before God spoke it into existence, at least in terms of what we think of when we think of light. I cannot pretend to know what in, in what sense God existed as Trinity before time and space. But it is interesting that the idea of darkness can only be described as the absence of light. Once again, I was struck by the author's words in the article when he states, quote, the more you look at the topic, the topic of light that is, the more you realize that our lives are built around light, that our daily existence is continuously shaped and made vivid by, what, by that ambiguous stuff that dates from the beginning of time. From our technology to our spirituality, we are creatures of light, end quote. Well, then that raises the question, why is spirituality tied to light? It's almost as if the author understands what Paul says in our passage tonight, and perhaps he does. I don't know where he is with the Lord. I, he may be a believer. Indeed, though Paul uses this language metaphorically, we understand it vividly when we consider even the idea of flipping on the light switch to make sure we do not stumble down the stairs into the basement. And so we begin to, in our minds, understand what Paul is going after here when he speaks of light and darkness in our passage. Here's the main point uh, I want us to see tonight. As children of light, we expose the darkness of sin when we proclaim the truth and when we walk in the light. As children of light, we expose the darkness of sin when we proclaim the truth and when we walk 
and the light. I want us to see three steps to living as children of light and exposing the darkness in this chapter. Now, really, the section we're looking at begins in verse 7, but, but verse 6 really ties it all together for us because of all the things we looked at the last time we were together, immorality, impurity, um, uh, these kinds of things. Because of these things, God's wrath is coming, and it comes upon the sons of disobedience, those whose lifestyle is characterized by sinfulness. Now, that's one distinction that we need to make and, and, and make sure we have clear in our mind. We're not um, sinless this side of glory. We do still sin. The, the, the purpose in what Paul is saying, though, is that there are those who are characterized by living sinful lives continually without any confession, without any repentance, without any acknowledgement of God. Those are people who live in darkness, as Paul calls it. So Paul goes on to say we are not to participate in these kinds of things. Um, you know, again, verse 7 here, Therefore, uh, for this reason, looking at this reality, do not become partners with them. It is not as though we are walking consistently in this way, but we are tempted now and again to partake in the activity. Maybe it is in the work environment uh, that someone is uh, telling that joke that we know we shouldn't not only listen to but not laugh at. Um, whatever the idea is that comes to mind of things we can participate in that are things of darkness rather than the things of light. The idea of partake here is to be an associate, to cast our lot with those who do live in this way. <clears throat> One thing that comes to mind uh, when I hear this command is, is, uh, is to not be unequally yoked. 2 Corinthians 6.14 We should not cast our lot uh, with those who we have nothing in common with, is Paul's encouragement. As those who are still in this flesh, we will eventually go to the lowest common denominator. You understand what I mean? Uh, the unequally yoked idea there is that it's easier for us as the, in the flesh as we surround ourselves with those who are participating in such things to be dragged down to their level. That's the imagery that uh, Paul is using there. You don't uh, bind an, an, an ox, uh, you don't yoke an ox with a donkey. The ox will destroy the donkey, right? Um, and so we're not to be unequally yoked in that sense. It is not, it's not that we never interact with the world. We must, both out of necessity, this is where we live, and command, go make disciples, interact with the world. We um, are in this world, as you have heard it said, but we are not to be of this world. Uh, but the reality for us is that our best friends, our business partners, our um, dating relationships, um, whatever, those should not be unbelievers, those should be believers. Those should be those who we share in common this life in Christ with. Why? Because we were formerly these things and we are no longer, as Paul says here. He says, therefore, do not become partners with them, do not partake with them. Verse 8, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are uh, light in the Lord. This is what we once were. Again, my mind is drawn to Paul's uh, 
letter to the Corinthians, this time the first letter, where he says, such were some of us, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Those who will not inherit, very, very similar to the uh, passage here in Ephesians chapter 5, is this idea of those who will not inherit the kingdom of God, those who are immoral, those who are impure, those who consistently live characterized in opposition to God will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then Paul goes on to say this in 1 Corinthians 6, such were some of you. This is what you were. You are no longer uh, like this. This is what we were. This is what we looked like before. But now we are the light of the Lord. And we should walk in this way, bearing fruit of light and righteousness and goodness, he says. Look at it again. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and all that is right and true. We are reminded that those very terms, that which is um, good and right and true there in verse 9, those are Ways we describe who God is. God is good and right and true. Uh, there is no other way to define God. In fact, those words receive their definition from who God is and who He has always been. We cannot understand good or right or true outside of God's isness, His, uh, his the reality of who God is in, in all that He is. Um, we, we in theology talk about the simplicity of God, that, that God is one. He is unified. God is not made up of parts. Therefore, God being good is true of Him in every sense, and being right and true is true in, in every sense. Keep your finger in Ephesians 5 and turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Just the book right before where we are. Again, we, we see Paul using this language about walking and um, the way in which we are to be living. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. Listen to what he says. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Let me just pause for a moment and say, sometimes in Paul's writing we, we find these parallels where we see him use one term as like in Ephesians 5, he talks about walking in light, being children of light. And then in Galatians 5, he uses this terminology of walking in the Spirit. We can understand those things to be the same. So when Paul says, walk in light, walk as children of light, you are light. And when, we, and when you see this parallel in Galatians 5, and he says, walk by the Spirit, that's what he means. He's saying, walk by the Spirit, walk in light. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And, and what we see Paul unearthing here for us in this verse is this idea of conflict in our life. We have this battle in our minds and in our hearts until we are glorified as we are being um, made into the image of Christ, we are constantly battling the flesh by the Spirit, is the idea here. These are opposed to one another. It seems very similar to what Paul says in Romans chapter 7. But, he says in verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the 
flesh are evident. Now notice again, here's one of these vice lists that Paul likes to use. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, which Paul in other places calls covetousness, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. He he doesn't even complete the list. There are so many vices, right? I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. See the parallel language here. Now notice, he now uses this word fruit again. What is the fruit? We saw this in Ephesians 5. The fruit of the light, you know. Uh, I think that's the terminology he uses. uh, uh, Let's see here. Yeah, for the fruit of light. And then in here he calls it the fruit of the Spirit. He says, this is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we, uh, when he says back up in verse 18, you are not under the law, he is not saying you're, you're not bound to obey God in any way. He's saying that you don't have to do these things that the law condemns because you've been set free from those things. Therefore, we are able... I mean, if we think about the idea of the law... In, in the sense of loving God and loving neighbor, to, to narrow it down, as Jesus says, that's what this list is. There's no such law against these because these are what we're supposed to do. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also, what does he say? Keep in step with the Spirit. See the parallel there? Walking in the Spirit. By the way, as Paul continues to expand on this in Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to see that he says to be led by the Spirit is paralleled in Colossians with being in the Word of God. (laughs) You want to do battle against the flesh? You want to do... You want to walk in light and not in darkness. We have to open the word of God. Study it and obey it. Not in the sense of obedience to earn favor with God. We know that. Christ has done that for us. But because God has called us to live in such a way that is joyful and fulfilling for us. That's the lie of darkness. The lie and the draw of darkness and temptation And desires that drag us away, as James says, is that you will be fulfilled in this. And in the end is always the bitterness of not being fulfilled and the consequences of such things. And in this, he says, back in Ephesians chapter 5, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Why does he say try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord? Well, discernment is, uh, it, it comes from the idea of discrimination. And we, that term has unfortunately taken on only one sort of major meaning in our, um, in our world. But it's not a bad word, as bad as we 
often make it out to be. To discriminate is to decide between. To discern is to, to say, I'm going to wear uh, blue socks or I'm going to wear orange socks today. You're making a decision. You're deciding between something. So to discern what the will of the Lord is, is to say, here is what is out in front of me. As I'm walking in the light, I need to be able to say, this is something that would please the Lord if I did this. Or it would be pleasing the Lord if I did not do this. That's the idea. As we're walking in the light, what is he saying here? The light exposes the darkness. And it helps me divide and say, this is what God desires because his word tells me that and separates from the darkness. We think of something like Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, when we think about this idea of how do we discern what the will of the Lord is. Romans 12, 1, you're very familiar with it. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or your spiritual act of worship, some translations say. Now notice this. Paul loves this language of you know, light and darkness, world and um, uh, being conformed to the image of Christ. Right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When we, dear ones, saturate ourselves with truth, the truth of God's word, and we determine, I am going to live by God's word, by God's grace, through his spirit, we are able to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. There's no question We come face to face with it and we say, this is right, this is good, this is true, as Paul says in Ephesians 5. And so therefore we become discriminators of right and wrong, of light and darkness. And, 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 And Paul is encouraging us concerning our own walk and life in that sense. And he goes on to say, not only are you not participants in it, but secondly, you actually expose the darkness by living in this way. In verses 11 through 14 of Ephesians chapter 5. He says, again, kind of as just wrapping this up, and then moving on to the next idea, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose them. Uh, literally put it to shame. We are not to, he says, speak or affirm that which is done in secret. So, uh, again, sort of balancing this idea of exposing and not being partaking of it, for it is shameful even to speak of these things they do in secret. But instead of speaking of it, expose it. Instead of um, participating in it, Make sure that you are exposing this. And Paul does this, doesn't he? He's not saying don't ever speak of the idea that there is sexual immorality or impurity or covetousness. There's a reality. We have to expose it. And in, in the idea of not speaking of it in secret is don't, don't hide the realities of these things 
in one sense, don't hide them as a secret sin in your heart, but rather than just sort of talking about it secretly, expose it. Say what it is. This is sin. That's the idea. We're not to affirm it. We're not, there's not only an outward participation that we're not to be a part of, there's also not a verbal affirmation. We need to expose this. How do we do this? I believe verses uh, 13 and 14 are encouraging us to bring the gospel to bear. And this is what exposes sin. Look at what he says. Verse 13. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says... Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So Paul tells us what is obvious. The metaphor is drawn. What happens when you shine a light into a dark room? Things are exposed, even things which are hidden. I love the translation that says just simply this, light makes everything visible. Light exposes the darkness. Light exposes the hidden things in the dark. You know, you can't help but think about the um, movies or the books that you've read where um, somebody walks into a dank, dark apartment and they switch on the light and all the roaches scatter. <laughs> right? They, you still see them. They're, they're there, right? Even though they go into hiding, you know they're there. And then you get out of there because you don't have to <laughs> deal with them, right? But... Light makes everything visible. And, and, and this happens in two ways as believers. One is certainly in the way that we live our lives. That is a way in which exposes darkness. Um, and, and, and I can't help but think of things that are going on in our culture right now, such as the LGBTQ um, agenda that is trying to tear apart marriage, right? In the 2015 Obergefell decision, um, marriage, quote-unquote, is uh, given a different definition than what God says. And if you were to listen to some of the folks that were pushing for that, I'm not saying all of them, but, but some of them were saying, we're not really interested in marriage. We're interested in tearing marriage down. Why? Well, because marriage is God's, uh, one of God's foundational creations, right? Genesis uh, and chapter 3. For this reason, Moses comments, a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Um, this is one of God's initial institutions in the world is, is marriage and family. Why, why is that being attacked? Because it exposes the false thing. Because it's God's good gift, it exposes that which is man's rebellion against God. And so, um, but, but in reality, it has to be more than just the way in which we walk. Um, you know, if you've ever run into any Latter-day Saints, any Mormons, they're super nice people. Really, really nice, nice people. Um, they, they really in some senses, put 
you know, people who claim to know Christ to shame in regard to the way they honor people. Um, but they have a false gospel. They have a gospel that, you know, damns them to hell because it is a works-based uh, righteousness that has nothing to do with the Jesus of the Bible or the God of the Bible. And so, you know, walking what seems to be in righteousness needs to have the foundation of gospel proclamation with it. We have to proclaim the truth. You know, poor uh, St. Francis of Assisi has been uh, given this tagline that nobody uh, can prove he's ever said, which was, um, now I'm, I'm going to forget it off the top of my head here. Um, what, what does he say? Uh, live, li, uh, something about proclaim the gospel and if necessary, use words. Yeah. Well, you can't proclaim the gospel without using words. You have to use words. And so what we see here is this gospel call. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is a gospel call. This is what we're to proclaim to people. You are in darkness. You need Christ. We must proclaim Christ alone as the only means by which people can be brought from darkness into light. That's the language of Scripture, is it not? The light exposes the darkness. And we proclaim light into darkness. Loved ones, be bold in the way that you live. Yes, but be bold in proclaiming the good news to a dark and dying world. Now we have to be careful, and just very practically here, because I think we, we get our, our focus narrowed, uh, our, 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 yeah, narrowed into the United States and all the things that are going on culturally here, and we say, oh, the world is falling apart, and certainly our world, our country is declining in, in regard to these things, but we need to see that the gospel light is happening other places in the world, that God is saving people, and that darkness is being exposed, and that people are coming to faith in Christ. The underground church in China is um, certainly, as we have seen recently, being persecuted, and we need to pray for our brothers and sisters. Uh, Mike mentioned uh, Early Rain Covenant Church this morning, and Pastor uh, Wang Yi. Um, we need to pray for them, but but I know of people who have been in the underground church in China in the far western part of the country that is not near the cities and stuff, and it is just simply overflowing. Um, God is just doing such a work there. Um, it's possible that there are more Christians in China than there are in the United States right now. I have friends who have been in these places, and when they talk about it, they can't even tell me what cities or talk about names of people that they have had interaction with because of fear of the government finding out. But what is it, even in a place as, um, you know, overrun with something like a, a, a dictatorship and communism like China, what is it that exposes the darkness? It is the gospel. We must proclaim the gospel. As those who are children of light and not darkness, we are not to partake, not to associate with the darkness. We are rather to expose the darkness. And in this, then, also we are to walk in wisdom, which is our last point. This is 
sort of the way that Paul brings it all together here in verses 16 and 17. Look at what it says in verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise. Literally, these words mean look accurately at how you live. Make each step precise. Um, boy, I, I hate to even say this because I struggle with this. Um, but I'm, I'm being honest. Um, there is no vacation from living righteously. But there's times where we feel like we ought to have that vacation, doesn't it? But there isn't. There is no vacation from living righteously. There's, there's, there is, in, in some senses we may say, there is no room for error. Now, when I say that, please understand, God is gracious and merciful to us when we do fall short of His glory. If, as I mentioned in my prayer, if, if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have that hope to hold on to because Christ has already accomplished that for us. But when we talk about that daily walk, the consistency in our life, not the, sometimes I say this, not the snapshot, but the film, right? What is the consistent walk of our life? There is no, not only no vacation from living righteously, there is no easy way to move forward in our Christian life without being wise and thinking accurately about the next step. Thinking biblically, praying in those ways. There is, maybe the easiest way to put this is there is no flippant way to live the Christian life. Side note, that's what we've been sold in American evangelicalism, by the way. But that's not what God tells us here. This takes wisdom. The fool is not one who is unintelligent by the world's standards. The fool is one who lives independent of God and God's law. We are to follow wisdom, and in that, the only choice we have is to follow God. Because God is wisdom. Some people say Proverbs 8 is a personification, that personification of wisdom uh, being... um, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God. Um, that, that's who is being described there in Proverbs chapter 8. Wisdom cries out in the streets. I, I, I'm not against that. I think I might be for it. But the idea is that wisdom is not something that is separate from God. It's from God. So if we're going to walk wisely, we have to walk according to what God says. And why is this so important? When we talk about this precision and walking in such um, purposeful ways and letting God's Word be our guide and being led by the Spirit and walking in the light rather than in darkness, why is this so important? Because, going back to James once again, life is but a vapor. We only have so much time. And what does Paul say here? Verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are what? Evil. We, um, and, and maybe I shouldn't accuse you guys of this, me. 
I'm so satisfied with so little. I'm so easily distracted by the things of this world. Paul says, make the best use of the time. Boy, that is a convicting word to me tonight, dear ones. Make the best use of time because the days are evil. And certainly I do believe that the trajectory that we are on is not a trajectory towards we're going to see the kingdom come. I think it's certainly spiraling downward. That's the trajectory we're on. We have to make the most of the time. Our time is limited by the encroaching evil of this world. And we're seeing this, aren't we? Soon it will be illegal to expose the darkness. It's already sliding in that direction. Already north of us, um, pastors are being fined for, uh, just back to this issue, calling homosexuality a sin. Soon they'll be put in jail for that. Um, dear ones, the, the, you know, people said, oh, there's no, no slippery slope. I mean, my goodness, we have seen that, the slipperiest of slopes. I mean, immediately after Obergefell, people were talking about pederasty and how that ought to be legalized next. Kids, if you don't know what pederasty is, ask your parents, they may or may not tell you. It's encroaching, and the, the warning that we are given, and again, Mikey said this this morning, is that if they hated the Lord, they will hate us. There will come a time where something that looks like this will happen, not saying this exactly, but something like this will happen. There could be someone standing outside of the door of our church every Sunday morning with an iPad with your name on it, your social security number, your tax ID, whatever, who says, do you believe what this church believes about X sin or Y sin? Do you confess what this church confesses? And you say yes. Oh, okay, your taxes just doubled. Probably before that, we won't even have a building because they're just going to take away tax exemption and we'll... Yeah, yeah, it'll be, we won't have a building. I'm not saying that's in 10 years, 50 years, 100 years, but it's coming. When you expose the darkness, the darkness encroaches. It says, you're not going to take away that from me. You have to make the most of our time. It's short. And the question is, you know, as Piper asks, are we wasting our lives? In his book, Don't Waste Your Life. If life is but a vapor, what am I doing with the time I've got? Let me just end with a few questions for us to consider as we close out tonight. With whom do we walk? Do we walk and I mean consistently, we're in this world, we're not to be of this world, we have to mix, we have to give 
the gospel to all men and all creatures. But who is our consistent influence in our life? Those who walk in darkness or those who live in light? This goes into such things as what we read, what we view, etc. Secondly, are we willing to expose the darkness? This is a fearful thing. It's hard. Because we know that we can and likely in some instances will be rejected. Are we willing to call sin, sin? Now listen, in this way, lovingly, but precisely. Are we willing to call sin, sin? Lovingly, strongly, and precisely. Takes gospel proclamation. And that's not saying, I'm up here, you're down here. I'm holy, you're not. No, Jesus is holy. (laughs) I need him and you need him. I sin, you sin. I need Jesus to stand in my place. Are we looking carefully at how we walk? What does our daily routine say about what we value and who we worship? Are we making the most of every moment That takes time, that takes thinking through things biblically and planning and praying. And The Christian life is not a flippant one. And then lastly, are we surrounding ourselves with those who are wise? Who is your wise counsel? When you turn to someone, do they give you godly counsel from the scriptures or man's wisdom? Brings us full full circle back to Verse 6, do not be deceived. Let's pray. Lord, certainly there are some heavy truths that we looked at tonight in this section of your word. And yet, Lord, the, the burden is not really on us. Um, Lord, the burden, the yoke that you give us is light because you have done the work for us. Lord, you have lived a perfect life. You have died a death that we deserved and you rose again. And we are enabled by the Spirit to live according to your word. Yet we do fight this flesh. In the meantime, Lord, help us to be wise, help us to walk wisely, help us to walk in light and not in darkness. Lord, this is such a convicting message to me tonight. Lord, help me to not live flippantly in my life. And Lord, help us to be strong. Help us to be people of the word, people of prayer. Lord, give us your grace and mercy. We need it. And Lord, may you rescue those as we proclaim light into darkness. Rescue those, Lord, uh, who we proclaim that to. Even tonight, Lord, if there are those who need to repent and believe, may this be the night that they do so. Lord, give us your grace as we go our separate ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.